0: Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. This week, oh, don't turn out the lights. Make sure you don't have any friends hanging around. Make sure you're the only one in the house. If something goes bump, don't be too scared. Because this week, Top 5 Horror Movies.
1: Wait, wait. why do you want to be the only one in the house? Because
0: Because then when you wet yourself, you don't have to be embarrassed in front of other people.
1: Uh, And then you can watch a movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been a while. I think it's been a couple of years since we did top five scary movies.
1: Mm, Scary stuff. So there might be some
0: similarities on this, but uh, top five horror movies. Why don't we start with uh, you, Rodrigo, this week?
2: Okay. Uh, My number five is uh, a great example of the difference between a horror movie and a scary movie because this movie tries hard to be a horror movie, but is mostly not scary. And the reason why it's on my list is because I watched a part of it when I was very young. And yeah, it was scary and it freaked me out because there are monsters in it. But when I went back and watched it, you know, in like maybe right after college, I was like, what is this? And and that is um, The Howling 2, <laughs> Your Sister's a Werewolf. <laughs> um, so I came at it after watching The Howling, and so I was like, okay, The Howling's not bad. So I watched The Howling too, and it is bad. Um, and the the most amazing thing about it is that it they it's like within the movie they tell you that it has something to do with The Howling, but it doesn't. It's like the werewolves work differently, and like everything works differently. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Saruman is in it. Christopher Lee, yeah, and so it immediately feels like a Hammer horror movie because he's in it, um and it's just kind of a mess. And it, it's it's in it's on here because I'm I have an attachment to it because you know Your as a kid I was a like, werewolf. yeah, because and yes, and because my actual sister's a werewolf. Um, but also because as a kid, I was like, "Oh, the howling too. this is a scary movie And then going back and watching almost any movie that has the howling in it as part of the title um, is actually in, in no way scary. it, it takes it, it really got me started really looking at what makes a scary movie rather than uh, or you know besides like, oh, it has monsters or it, or it takes place at night
0: hmm cool so the howling Two, your sister's a werewolf
2: colon your sister's
1: a werewolf it's also known as werewolf b-word because uh, that's the name that i saw it under when when i saw it
2: yeah uh it it wasn't very well received so i think it was released multiple times <laughs> under different um, names
0: we just keep re-releasing the same film just change the uh, title no I mean yeah, know. I
2: I think I think it was. Or or maybe it's like a US Europe thing. Yeah. Um it's a trip, you know, it's like if you if if you have a bad movie night, the Howling Two is a is a good is a good bad movie. Okay. It's got uh, T
1: V Captain America and Sybil Danning, who's in all sorts of trashy movies if you're into yeah. that sort of thing.
0: Very cool. All right. So my number five is a scary movie, is a horror movie. Uh, I do like uh, a lot of Lovecraft inspired cosmic horror with uh, creatures from the void and uh, things that go a little crazy. So when I saw the 2016 film The Void pop up, I was like, oh, supernatural horror. I've got to go and check this thing out. And it is very Lovecraft esque, but it is on the end of the spectrum where. Uh, We start to get into some core porn where it's just like, let's chop people in half. Let's have bodies hanging from hooks that have been skinned. Let's do, you know, all sorts of uh, pretty gross things. What ends up happening is um, these weird cult people wearing these triangle hoods, not like uh, triangle hoods that some other bad people wear. Uh, But uh, they show up at this hospital and basically surround this little small hospital in this rural community And the people inside are trying to defend themselves, and they come to find out by, uh, really not the end of the film, but about halfway through, that this is the focus point where they're doing all of their evil rituals, trying to bring something from the other side. And there are grotesque creatures. There's a lot of murder. There's a lot of hacking and slashing. There's a lot of stuff that will give you the jump scares if you're looking for the jump scares. I can't say it's a well-written movie, but... uh, (laughs) It is definitely got some some horror elements into it and may kind of tie back around to my number one when we eventually get there. My number five, The Void 2016. It's directed by uh, uh, Kostansky and Gillespie. Uh, you can go find that. I think it's on all the streaming media outlets. Uh, but beware, it's got a lot of a lot of blood and guts in it. So if that's your kind guts. of thing, go for it. It's got guts in it. All right, Matthew, what do you have for your number
2: five?
1: This is such a hard list for me to narrow down, because mm-hmm. scary movies are pretty much my bread and butter. I mean, this is where I live. This is where I grew up, uh, watching trashy movies on Channel 41. But my number five is one that I knew had to be on the list as soon as I was looking around, because I go and I looked up list of horror movies, and Wikipedia literally just exploded, and it said, I'm sorry, there's too many. there aren't that many numbers in the universe, but I found a movie that I remember fondly from 1982. Now, in 1982, I was 11. So this is actually probably a movie that we saw in the summer of 83 because my best friend, the stork, actually had cable. And we could see things on HBO that you couldn't see on regular television. And one of those things that did not involve the female form was Creepshow.
0: Stephen King, Creepshow. Creepshow.
1: Yeah, it's actually a collaboration between Stephen King and George Fricking Romero, uh, who is basically to horror movies what Stephen King is to horror stories. And the thing that's wonderful about Creepshow is when you're 13, when you're 12, the scarier something is, the more you make a big deal of not being scared and pretending not to be scared and laughing. Creepshow is a movie where you literally genuinely laugh, Mm. and then it turns around and horrifies you even more. Uh, and it is what I really enjoy, especially in, you know, I love Stephen King's short stories. And this movie is essentially that. It's five different uh, chapters. There's Father's Day, which is just an EC horror comic from 1954. Uh, the Lonesome Death of Geordie Verrill is right up Stephen's alley, kind of a weird cosmic horror, but done with only one character. And that character is, in fact, Stephen King playing the, the primary character trapped in this weird cosmic reality. Uh, There's one with Leslie Nielsen before he was a comedy actor, where uh, I I believe Leslie Nielsen, maybe Ted Danson. I always get them confused. Uh, And then there's, of course, The Crate. And if you've never seen The Crate, The Crate has the most terrible, wonderful black humor ending ever. And then, of course, it ends with the grossest thing you've ever seen. It's uh, a horror story about bugs. Now, I don't necessarily like creepy, creepy bugs, but this one I really don't like. And yet I've watched it maybe a hundred times in my life. It's a really good movie. It has a framing sequence that's animated. And in, you know, in 1982, I had never seen or heard of an EC comic, but now that I've seen and read the majority of EC's horror output, this is a love letter to the EC comics of probably Stephen King and George Romero's youth. And makes for a heck of a movie even if you're, you know, from the 80s and don't remember 1954 Creep Show. Go rent it right now as long as you're over 16.
2: Very good. Have you guys seen the have you guys seen the series Creep Show? I've been wanting to, but I I haven't
1: pulled the trigger on Shutter because I literally have 27 streaming services.
2: <laughs> they air it on cable. Do so they? If- you can find. I, I want to say it's maybe on AMC or something like some other cable channel is now airing it as well. Cool. Now I've seen so. Creepshow 2, which is kind
1: of a lesser film in all ways, but still not terrible. Yeah,
2: the the Creepshow TV show is not. Uh, Wasn't originally like the, on like, Showtime
0: like, or Cinemax or something, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, honestly what i get out of that like my biggest appreciation for that show is like after i've watched an episode and i've seen i want to say three episodes now mm-hmm. afterwards every time i'm like wow i can't believe they managed to do that on the budget that they clearly have like mm-hmm. it's it's never like oh my god i was so scared or like i'm touched by this like uh outer or not uh like um Outer Limits type ending or anything like that, it's mostly like, wow, I can't believe a show with this budget managed to, you know, give us like a, a you know, pretty reasonable alien invasion here just now.
0: Very oh, my cool.
2: God. They did Survivor type?
1: I think so. Oh, my God. I have to go see this right now. That's one of my
2: favorite horrifying King stories.
0: Well, maybe, I, maybe I, just I've wait seen... until after we're done recording the show. And no, I'm going to go watch it right now. I'll, I'll be back right now. He's, so. on,
2: I'll, I'll he's he's got oh. he's got two entries to, to watch. Yeah, I got it. a good seven minutes. <laughs> I'll watch it at one and a half speed, like you do your podcast.
0: Rodrigo, what it. what do you have for your number four?
2: So speaking of of laughing and being freaked out, um, uh, my number two is Shaun of the Dead, mm. and Shaun of the Dead is a movie that nowadays, when I watch it, it doesn't scare me anymore because I know where all the scares are, but first time i saw it it really did do that thing you know that thing where you're like watching and things are funny and the characters are funny and you're like laughing and then like it's like nervous laughing and then something happens and you kind of go like ah <laughs> um and then like awful things happen and you feel like really bad for the characters and then you're laughing again um and there's something about horror comedies that uh it's it's extremely difficult to pull off Um, but if it does get pulled off, you get more of both, right? The, the, the parts that are scary really enhance those, like that release valve moments when something's funny Mm -hmm. and simultaneously, when you have that moment where something's funny, it lowers your guard so that when something scary happens, you're that much more scared. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel that Shaun of the Dead is, is, is a masterclass on on that aspect and also, you know, if you ever wonder what Chekhov's gun is, uh it's or or um really foreshadowing. Uh just sit down and watch the first ten minutes of Shun of the Dead, write some notes, and then watch the rest of Sean of the Dead.
0: Very good. Very good. Uh my number four uh falls into the Stephen King category as well. Um this is a story about a man who may already have some mental issues who decides that it's a good idea to take his family up on top of a mountain during the winter season so he can work on his book. And what happens next is a slow descent. Yes, definitely not in the book. uh, Is a slow descent into madness and what is real and what isn't. And possibly his kid and him both have some kind of supernatural powers. uh, But all heck breaks loose and Jack Nicholson ends up Uh, chasing his wife and kid through a maze in the middle of winter until he freezes to death. And it's just creepy, creepy, creepy. And then we find out that maybe he's been reincarnated or time travel weirdness or whatever. At the end of the movie, it is kind of horrifying just to see what happens when someone goes insane or when someone goes uh, crazy, like uh, Jack's character does in this movie. And, thinks that the only way to solve his problems is to kill everybody in the in the Overlook Hotel. Uh so The Shining. Mm-hmm. This is the uh the not the not the book, because the book and the movie are totally opposite one another, and apparently Stephen King hates Stanley Kubrick because of the movie.
1: <laughs> it's a great movie. King it is hates a, it, but it's a great It
0: movie. is a very, very good movie. Now they they made a re they didn't do a remake, a sequel. Uh Dr. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Dr. Doctor, Doctor Fr- Sleep. Doctor Sleep which is mixing parts of the book and the movie together to yeah, do the It's super? a, it's a very much, much
1: a sequel to the movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I haven't seen that one yet. It's not on my list, but the shining is definitely my number four. So Matthew, what do you have for number four?
1: Both the shining and Dr. Sleep were on my also rants list. Um, but my also rants list is full of a ton of stuff. And recently my kid who is now 16 has, in this realm of she wants to do two things. She wants to watch anime yeah. and she wants to watch horror movies, yeah. scary movies. She's like, I want to hear wow. the scariest movies in the world.
0: She really kind of developed late, huh? No. At 16? I mean, 12-year-olds are doing that stuff, right? At least my 12-year-old is.
1: Well, your 12-year-old is fine. My, my 16-year-old is fine. She's I thought all 12-year-olds were stuff. into
0: that scary stuff.
1: Well, you don't have any girls. It's different for girls.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: here's the thing. We went looking for the scariest movies in the world and one that we found, uh, somebody's like, this is a scary movie. I remember being in the theater and seeing the ads for this movie and thinking, okay, it's going to be a scary killer kid movie. It's going to be like child's play. So I'm like, I I know what to expect when we sit down to watch hereditary. It is one of those things. I wouldn't say that it's rare because I'm, you know, I don't have a hugely high opinion of myself. But it is uncommon for a movie or a television program or a story to completely swerve me as hard as Hereditary did. It's difficult because, you know, I'm, I'm very genre savvy. I'm someone who, you know, makes stories and content. And, I you know, we do this stuff. This is this part of what Major Spoilers is. So when Hereditary came out and swerved me so hard, literally with the car swerving, and the thing happening and then the shot that i didn't ever want to see being shot it was just riveting and throughout the film every time i thought i had a handle on what was going on ari aster swerved it again this is a movie that it literally feels like four or five different movies and there's there's a really great sequence every time you see the time change so Rather than a jump or a cut or a, you know, meanwhile caption box, you see an exterior of the house going from day to night or night to day. And at one point, the last time you see the house go from day to night, you don't realize at first that the house is surrounded by figures. And then we cut back inside and we see what's going on and we literally look outside and we see that the house is surrounded by figures. It's a movie that requires, I feel, multiple viewings recommends multiple viewings and it's it's probably oh gosh i've seen a lot of stuff with tony collette in it it is probably tony collette's finest hour as fine as far as i'm concerned because yeah this movie is just horrifying and her role in it going from regular lady to grieving mother to something entirely different to something, something, giant spoilers that I'm not going to tell you, but oh my God, I would squeal out loud and you probably will too. Hereditary is a good movie. Do not be fooled if you see a thing that makes it feel like child's play. It is exquisite and terrible all at the same time. And I very much recommend it to anybody again, as long as you're over 16.
0: Yeah, uh, this is uh, based on a true story, Matthew. Perhaps you didn't know that part. No, but uh, Yeah, no, it definitely is. No, it's not. Uh, Would you like me to talk about that thing that you didn't think you ever wanted to see filmed and yet you saw it filmed and you didn't know that you didn't want to see it? Totally based on a true events by the script writer of this movie.
1: Ooh, I don't ever want to see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, That rounds out our number fours. I think we're going to swing back around to you, Rodrigo, with number three. Yeah.
2: My number three is definitely a horror movie, but I think it often... Uh, doesn't get included in horror because when people tend to think of horror, they think about you know out in the wilderness, you're doing something, or like in a small sleepy town or something. Um, but in fact, uh, perhaps more scary is the isolation of outer space, mm-hmm. where no one can hear you scream. Yeah. So uh, my number three is Alien. I think. Uh, Alien is uh, itself also kind of a masterclass in horror. And of course, the number one rule of monster movies, whether they're horror or action or anything else, is you know don't show the monster. Yeah. Alien mm-hmm. does a good job. It has multiple monsters, um, all of which get sort of minimal screen time. Uh, most of the screen time is taken up by you know people looking. Like to their left and their right and their left and their right and left to their right and and then something goopy falls on them from above and they're like oh no yeah um spoiler alert um Mm -hmm. yeah Alien is again I feel like it it gets left out because it's a movie about space and it you know it's got like guys with like guns and uh you know it's got like a robot in it Mm -hmm. and so I think the sort of the superficial tropes. of of alien make people feel like they're like afterwards after they've seen it it makes people feel like they didn't just watch a horror movie Mm -hmm. where i think that if you were to set alien like in an actual mine um it would you know or like in a in a mine today you know and and it wasn't in the future and there weren't laser guns and there wasn't a robot um it would you could still have almost the exact same movie and it would definitely feel like a horror movie
0: yeah So the interesting thing about the uh, alien movie is, you know, uh, I agree with you, Rodrigo. It's a very good horror movie. It's got the jumps where you got them. It's got the weird creepiness that's uh, out there. It's got the end of all things. And I was like two years ago, I was like uh, telling my then 10 year old, hey, you want to watch a scary movie? And he's like, "Okay." And so we sit down to watch Alien and like he starts laughing through it like, oh, this isn't scary. You know, the alien jumps out at one point to grab. Yafet Kodo or whoever, and right. uh, he just starts laughing. He goes, Dad, that is the silliest, dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then even the next day, he was uh, telling my my wife about it and just laughing at how bad he thought that that movie was, that he didn't think it was scary. And I think that's something that is, I, I think this is something that is a byproduct of uh, the evolution of media, right? Where what you and I think were scary when we were kids. That genre, horror, whatever, has evolved so much past that, that even something that is tame, uh, that we might think is tame today, or that we might think is super intense today, is tame for kids. Because they've already been exposed to much, much more intense stuff today than than what we were uh, exposed to back in the 80s.
2: I mean, that's that's true, and it's but it's it's also possible that actually the tropes are working against you there. Could be could that be. that your kid is like, well, this isn't what a spaceship looks like. Like, this isn't what high technology looks like. Mm-hmm. So, this is probably not what a monster looks like. Yeah, but... you know, and and so because Alien is set like Alien setting is so weird, mm-hmm. and you have to buy into it, right? And when uh, when people first watched this in like nineteen what seventy nine something like um, that, yeah. yeah, 1980 whatever. They were like, "Oh, very reasonably in my VHS world, this is what the future's going to look like." Right. You know, this looks very very modern and very cool, mm-hmm. but for somebody who wasn't wasn't born until decades later, this retro future is distracting. It's like, yeah. why are they in pods? Why? Why does the technology look like that? Why are they even here? It's like people like is like, oh, we mine asteroids. Is like itself kind of a thing that was popular back in those days when humans were looking at other resources, and nowadays has kind of died down. Um, yeah, there's mean, just like gotta, so much gotta... about it that is like that. That is probably distracting away from like, there's a monster in this. Could
0: case. could be, uh, though. Ex- the Expanse though does feature highly, and that's very popular right now. Features highly with the. Uh, the asteroid binding and stuff. I, I sure, forget sure. where I see, I think it was the director, maybe it's Ridley Scott or one of the uh, set designers was talking about how they really were project, trying to project into the future of what the future would really look like. And so, you know, these sub light ships, uh, having to put people in hibernation, all that stuff is still kind of accepted today yeah, as, yeah. uh, as what you would see in the future. And he says, Uh, The one thing that they totally didn't foresee and what really ends up dating this, this movie is the fact that all of those light bulbs that are all throughout the ship are not LEDs, but instead actual little light bulbs that they had to screw in. And he said, even today, that's the thing he looks at and goes, oh, I can't believe we missed that part. So, but I just think it's funny that every time I bring that movie up, uh, alien, which I still think it's horrifying. Uh, he just starts laughing and goes, oh, that alien was so fake.
2: I mean, I, the first time I saw um, Clash of the Titans, I was absolutely charmed by it. Mm-hmm. And this was in the 90s. Yeah. Right? So technolo- visual effects technology had already advanced drastically by then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember showing it to my little brother and he just laughed the whole time. He just couldn't get over like Harryhausen, like
0: yeah.
2: uh, stop motion monsters, right? Yeah. he just like crack up every time anything showed up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my number three is relatively recent, just about a year ago. And when I finally sat down, and people were talking about it, I was like, okay, I'll finally sit down to watch this. And I'm like, mm, okay, uh, kids going off uh, out into uh, this countryside to go hang out with the, this uh, friend of theirs' uh, family for this uh, pagan ritual uh, thing that's going on. And then as the movie progresses, you realize that, oh, uh, this guy's breaking up with her and she's not taking it well. And like many cults, uh, she starts to become indoctrinated into the cult to the point where when you get to the end of the movie and Murder Fest happens, Midsummer is scary as F. Uh, you know, and, and again, Rodrigo, you're talking about Chikov's gun. Mm-hmm. This movie telegraphs everything that's going to happen because there are. Paintings and there are embroideries and there are, you know, pictures throughout this compound that shows every step of what this process is. And it's not just something passing in the background. There's actual times where you spend looking just in the opening uh, credits, the opening title credit of the movie where you are seeing how this whole midsummer Festival plays out. And when you get to the end and you realize that, you're like, holy cow, they've been slowly drawing us in. And you would think that that would desensitize you to what's coming up. But no, it doesn't. And Midsummer is, I don't know, it's not horror in the fact that, you know, there's an unstoppable killer coming up from the lake and killing everyone or that, you know, there's aliens in, in the closet that are going to eat you up or anything like that. But this idea that there are people who might jump into this cultish system and you know start killing people left and right is truly kind of terrifying and horrifying. And so that's why Midsummer hits my number three. I think Matthew, you've seen the Midsummer, right?
1: Yeah, it's another Ari Aster film. Huh? Same guy who did Hereditary. Yeah,
0: Hereditary. Yeah,
1: yeah it's yeah, yeah. it's scary in a the hills have eyes mm-hmm. or kind of a you know a strange little town kind of way. Yeah. Which is, you know, one of the major archetypes. What is scary changes from person to person, and you know, what is really scary to you may not be scary to me. Which is why, when I go through the world, and I think, you know, what I love more than anything else, uh, Ashley Williams. Uh, that's not entirely true. I don't love her more than anything else, but Ashley Williams is a wonderful, wonderful person. And so, you would think that Allison Williams, who's Very much, you know, very similar. Has almost the same name. Looks very similar. Very much, you know, very pretty girl with the round face and the big hair. Nothing scary about her, right? Mm -hmm. Wrong! If you want to see the scariest thing I have ever seen, you go, you sit down, and you watch my number three. It's a movie called Get Out from 2017, written by Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Peele is amazing because I remember him from Mad TV a million years ago and then you know the key and peel sketches so when when we said we're going to watch get out for Zach on film I'm like oh okay whatever you know I'm thinking this is going to be you know, like you know soul plane or something I'm thinking it's going to be funny you know taking the the uh, p word out of horror movies and instead it's a really really scary movie and it's not like a slashers in the woodpile movie it's not like a murderous creature is going to eat you movie yeah it's a, a, weird, a very real yeah a very real horror taken up a notch and mm-hmm. it's one of those movies that i really appreciate every single person in it uh daniel kaluuya the main character is just incredible throughout this film but the scariest thing in the whole movie is Allison williams as rose because once we realize that she is evil and evil and evil there's a scene where she's sitting by herself in the dark talking to someone on the phone and she's completely blank she has no expression on her face at all but her voice is like oh my god is everything okay but her face is completely blank like a robot And it's terrifying and I'm so, so, so unnerved by her and it's so scary, not just because she's like an evil version of the Ashley Williams that I enjoy, but because that movie takes what shouldn't be necessarily scary and makes it really, really frightening. I don't like to spoiler this one because it's a movie that will kick you a couple of times as you go through it.
0: Get Out is my number two. Um, Yeah. is so really, really good. Uh, Again, this is one that starts to play on a lot of the Lovecraftian tropes, including the family name, the Armitage family name, uh, which is right out of Lovecraft, uh, tales. And so when you start to learn what's really going on and why uh, these people are fetishizing fetishizing uh, black people in this movie and then what happens to them, it really is uh, horrific on a number of different levels. If you've never watched Get Out. Uh, My suggestion is to do this. Watch Get Out all the way through. And then 24 hours later, after you've had time to digest everything and really think about everything and try to maybe sometimes sit there and go, what's going on here? Then go back and watch it again with Jordan Peele's commentary turned on because it dives into other areas that you probably weren't even thinking about in certain scenes. And he breaks it down saying, well, here's what I was thinking here. And this is what this symbolizes and all of this stuff, even to the point where, uh, when, when Matthew's favorite character, uh, is eating cereal, he talks about how that is, um, that is very symbolic about what is going on. And so I think you, this is a movie that you really need to watch at least twice. Um, and I say that least, meaning that that's the minimum number of times you should be watching it. Once just to enjoy it, once with the director's commentary, and then about once every year, because it is really a good movie. I almost sat down to watch this the other night. I'm probably going to watch it in the next couple of days. Uh, But, uh, yeah, just a phenomenal piece of work uh, from Jordan Peele and a really great modern horror movie. Get out, my number two. Rodrigo, what do you have for number two?
2: My number two is The Babadook. Uh, Ah, Look out.
0: Look out, Babadook. uh,
2: Yeah. Uh, The Babadook is... So, okay. I don't watch a lot of scary movies uh, because I don't like being scared. Um, And because it's like... It's a lot of commitment. It's like if I watch a scary movie and it scares me, so if it's successful in what it sets out to do, then I feel bad because I'm scared. Mm Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't scare me then I feel bad because what a rip I like I signed up to watch a scary movie and this movie didn't even scare me so it's usually a negative experience uh, no matter what but uh, the Baba Duke as a story it is a very scary movie, but I found it very very complete very uh, it's there's there's a a, a darkness to it but there's a real melancholy to it um, and that's probably what I liked is that the the Babadook really cuts its horror with a lot of sadness and with a lot of sort of that like bittersweet thing of like never going home again but uh, being in the process of, of getting over it um, and uh, it's like in a lot of ways it's kind of like, to me, a better version of The Others, mm. Um, mm. which is you know, not a bad movie. But I feel that it, it doesn't hit you immediately with the same themes, but it actually has a lot of those same themes. Um, so uh, when I watched it all the way through, I was really happy with it, scared. But but really happy with the
0: movie. Yeah. Now is this the one that's the Topo one? I haven't seen Babadook. That's one that looks too scary for me.
2: Uh, it is. It is very scary. So it, this is like a lady and her kid, um, and there's this picture book that the kid finds, mm-hmm. and it's about the Babadook, mm-hmm. and you know it has it's like a pop up book, um, and then it tells you what what's going to happen, and then that starts happening.
0: Ah, I see. <laughs> I I guess I
2: would say the premise. Okay. All right.
0: Uh, Matthew, what do you have for number two?
1: Not the Babadook. I haven't been able to watch that thing. It's too creepy. Um, My number two, though, is a film that's probably making its seventh or eighth appearance uh, in top five history, simply because it's one of my favorite movies ever. And it's one of the movies that, back in the day, when I got my first VHS player, my VCR, it's one of the first films that I... Ever bought one of the few VHS things that I still own because I don't want to throw it away. Uh, but it's Night of the Living Dead, George Romero, and it is basically the origin of the modern zombie, uh, really, all of the modern zombie tropes almost. Um, it's the first real take on what we now know to be the Walking Dead. It's now what we now know to be zombie land, all of the things that you think of when you think pop culture zombies come from night of the living dead. And it's fascinating because the movie doesn't even use the word zombie. It actually, it starts out and it's, it's talking about the creatures sometimes referred to as ghouls. And you're about 30 minutes into the film before somebody actually raises the question on the radio of whether they're even alive or not. But it's a movie that strangely, though it was made in 1968 And it has some 1968 pacing to it. Didn't bore my kid when we watched it. And she was much younger when we watched this. She was like 9 or 10. Uh, And I feel like that's okay because, you know, if I'm going to be a bad parent, I might as well be a bad parent with George Romero. But when you sit and watch it, the first half hour of the movie is relatively slow, but it's not uneventful. And there's a sequence very, very early in the film where we see two characters talking, and there's a man in the background just walking around. And I'm like, is that a real person? Because I saw the first time, I'm like, there's, a, there's just some guy back there in the background. No, it turns out that he's not just there in the background. He's actually our first ghoul. But you don't see that for three or four scenes. But you keep seeing him. And you keep seeing him a little closer. And when the film finally rolls out into what it's going to be, it just becomes this intense, meaningful little story that isn't about the horror at all. It's about the people trying to face the horror and being really jerks and you know, dying because they're jerks or because they're not jerks in at least one case. And there are a lot of things about this film that are kind of admirable. I think the primary one for me is the casting of the main character, Ben. In 1968, uh, an African-American man and the actor that they got to play this Dwayne Jones is just incredible because he's clearly dealing with the same crap that he deals with throughout his life. But now there are zombies. It's a really, really good movie. And it's a movie that I believe, thanks to an error in registration and copyright, you can see for free pretty much anywhere.
0: Yeah, it's in the public domain.
1: Yeah, well, initially it had a different name, and when they redid the opening title with the new name, they forgot to put a copyright uh, on it, I believe. Yeah. And so, yes, it it entered the public domain immediately, so you can go watch it as soon as you're done with this episode of Top 5, and I do recommend it because it's just that good. We have a, a retro horror channel, plays a thing like twice a week. If it's on, I will stop.
2: Yeah, it's uh, part of the reason I think why zombie movies in general uh, kind of don't interest me is because like the very first zombie movie was so good. It's like everybody yes. else has to at least get there, yeah. and if they don't, it's just like what's the point, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. And if you know, if you watch *Night of the Living Dead*, the point is not guys are you know cannibalistic monsters are coming to eat us, you guys. Right. It's what are we going to do? How do we respond? This is really a movie about how do people respond to stressful, horrible situations? The answer is terribly, but it's fascinating to watch for, like, 95 minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We have made it all the way to our number one horror movies. Rodrigo, what are you going to drop on us?
2: All right. To absolutely no one's surprise, Uh Foreshadowed by a couple of my other picks and also by anybody who's listened to this show at length. It not follows this specific episode.
0: It follows. But huh? It follows. That's that's your number one? Uh
2: it is not. It follows. Oh, dang, Th- I thought all the ghosts ghosts were there. Do we do. I just because just because you saw somebody behind me this whole time doesn't mean that it's <laughs> it follows. All right. What I what I do with my life is up to me. I've made some mistakes before, <laughs> just because I have an It Follows. We, we shouldn't judge you for your It yeah, Follows. You shouldn't switch, judge me right? for my It Follows, okay? All right. Uh, no, my number one is uh, An American Werewolf in London. Yep, I knew it was coming.
1: It yeah. was going to be either that or The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo.
2: Right, That's, which is that not that a movie. movie.
1: <laughs> so, Well, what is that movie that you love with the 13
2: ghosts in it? The 13th Ghost? The 13th <laughs> Are you Warrior? The... Yeah. The one with the number, of, uh, you uh, know, is the 13th warrior warrior, a horror movie. I don't, I don't think, so. think it is. I think it has elements, but I, it would be kind of a stretch. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, I mean, it starts to fall into that territory, but it's, it's really not. I mean, I,
2: I mean it definitely starts out that way because you see yeah. this like supernatural threat, but then it kind of becomes this, like, let's train the village to deal with the threat kind of situation. Um, and it, it's really more of a seven samurai kind of a thing. Uh, In any case, uh, no. An American Werewolf in London is a movie that is funny, that is scary. Um, It has groundbreaking special effects that largely still hold up. Um, I think, you know, there may have been a a paradigm, a slow paradigm shift in what we want out of our monsters um, over the past, you know, 20 years or whatever, so mm-hmm. maybe that wolf is not as scary as it used to be, but it's actually still pretty scary. Um, it, uh, let's see, it stars a werewolf, uh, it's funny, it doesn't show the monster, and has a lot of weird TV segments, just like the Babadook. So it's it's like a synthesis of all of my previous, <laughs> uh, previous points. Um, and It, um, it's got a lot going on. Like, you know, now I've seen this movie probably six or seven times. And every time there's just sort of more stuff going on. This movie is packed with just stuff that's going on in the background. Mm -hmm. That's like in the newspapers. There's all these little jokes like minor characters get a surprising amount of development there's a lot of conversations between characters that have nothing to do with what's going on and are just kind of there to provide i guess context about what's happening like they never feel like why is this here um they they kind of act as buffers between like the funny moments and the scary moments um and, you know, Frank Oz is in it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my number one, An American Werewolf in London. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend that you watch it. Um, it is possibly the best werewolf movie that's ever been made because most werewolf movies are actually pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And this one is good. So it, I think it, it holds that dubious title largely because... Um, unlike, uh, other random monster movies or, or whatever, um, werewolves tend to fall pretty far towards the, this movie is pretty bad, uh, side of things. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you for that, Rodrigo. My number one, I've talked before about, I, it took me a long time to really get into horror movies. And I've told stories before about the first time I watched Alien, I was home alone and there was a thunderstorm outside and the horses got loose and I looked out the window and there was this big head that looked like an alien head right outside the window, freaking me out. Um, my number one movie is a remake of, a, what is it, sixty fifty four movie or something like that. Um, and it is so horrifying because of the body horror stuff that goes on in here that we've We basically have called them, uh, resorted to calling them Croning Cronenbergs these
1: days.
0: (laughs) It is 1982's The thing, John Carpenter's the thing here. We have a bunch of scientists down in Antarctica and all of a sudden they're getting a distress signal from, I think it's the Norway or the Sweden, um, camp. And so they go over there and they find a spaceship and they find something in the ice and they decide, decide to bring it back to their American camp. And when it thaws out, they soon discover that uh, it is some kind of parasite that goes in and takes over your body, replicates your body, and you don't know who is the alien. So, if you've ever, uh, if you ever get freaked out by paranoia, if you ever get freaked out by the Red Scare, if you're freaked out by aliens, if you're freaked out about swimming in certain waters that may have uh, parasites in it. Then I would avoid watching 1982's The Thing. I mean, when a man's head falls off and another guy's uh, uh, guts open up and turn into a giant pair of teeth, uh, yeah. you know, that is, that's pretty scary. And when you're 12, I think I was babysitting my cousins uh, at my house. And this happened to be on not on, you know, cable, because my parents never had cable, not on a uh, videotape, but this was on over the air broadcast. So it's heavily edited already. But for those of you that have seen the thing, you know, the the scene where the dog is revealed to be one of the one of the things and it's flipping and flapping around and the dog's head is coming off and all that stuff. I was at the time having to change one of my cousin's diapers and I was so freaked out because, number one, there's a horrible poo mess in this diaper that I can't stand to look at. But the only other thing in the room that I could focus my attention on was this horrible, scary thing on the TV with this (laughs) dog turning into mush. And so, uh, yeah, it was. It was probably another ten years before I finally got up the courage to say, "Okay, this movie freaked me out as a kid. I'm going to watch this." I think as soon as it came out on DVD or something, I said, "Okay, I'm going to sit down and watch this movie." Watched it and loved it, and can't stop watching it. It is such a fun horror movie, and the ending is so nihilistic. It brings it back around to the void where. The thing, whether, you know, uh, Carpenter uh, or or uh, Campbell, Jr., John Campbell, Jr., who wrote Who Goes There, whether they realize it or not, it really takes a lot from the idea of what cosmic horror is and these things that you can't control. And you're just looking at it and you know that uh, you're dead and there's nothing you can do to stop it um, except die out in the ice and hope nobody digs you up. So the thing 1982 is my number one.
1: We actually, we watched this movie, and this story is 100% true. We watched this movie at work once when I worked in television, and we watched it, and we got to the end, and my friend was like, that movie sucked. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, they gave it away at the very beginning. They told us exactly what, what he said. And I'm like, wait, what? She's like, the scene with the explosion, the guy told us exactly what was going to happen in the movie and i'm like katie do you speak norwegian and she's like yeah and i'm like you realize that you're the only person in the room who got that because that whole sequence was in norwegian and she's like oh okay maybe not but it was it was one of those lovely moments in life where you're just like okay katie speaks Norwegian. that's good to know yeah she, I guess she was either engrossed in the movie or not paying attention to the point where she didn't realize that she was translating in her head. It was a wonderful moment. Oh. All right. But it's not my number one.
0: What is your number one?
1: My number one is one of the most frightening visual experiences of my adult life. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to give this a little bit of an asterisk because – and uh, Stephen is one of the people who has ragged me about this in the past. And I don't think he's going to now, but it's okay. I might. I – I love found footage movies.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't bother you on this. I feel
1: like found footage movies are really fun because they have an immediacy to them. And I've seen a lot of really bad found footage movies. And I've seen some okay ones. I saw something called Hell House, which broke all the rules of found footage movies, but still scared the crap out of me and the kid. And I've seen really, really good ones where the found footage is, you know, the actual premise is never broken. You don't have that meta moment where you're like, oh, this could never have happened. And one of the ones where you never have that meta moment is Paranormal Activity from 2007. And it's a very simple story. I think it has maybe four characters in it. And most of the time, there are only two people on screen. But it starts with a woman coming home to find that her boyfriend bought a camera. And the whole film is from his perspective through the camera. Something weird has been happening in their house. They don't understand it. He wants to document it because he thinks it may be something paranormal. And it turns out it totally is. And over the next 21 days, things happen. Events transpire. Stuff occurs. And you get a really, really tense, really, really scary movie with very limited use of the jump scare. They do have one thing in this movie that I've found that other people have, I think, taken and adapted into their movies is whenever something horrible is about to happen or something evil or crazy or, or paranormal or arcane, the soundtrack starts to go... Mm-hmm. And now you see that everywhere. But I think paranormal activity is where it came from because you'll be sitting there... Everything's fine. You're normal. You're sitting at the kitchen table. But you know, as soon as you hear something terrible is going to happen. And there are a lot of paranormal activity movies. The first one is great. The second one is really good, but kind of breaks the premise a little bit. The third one is less good and not only breaks the premise, but stretches reality. And you get to the point where by the time you're in the fifth one, you're like, eh, but that first movie paranormal activity is really tight really tense really inexpensive it's like a a cheap jack movie kind of like night of the living dead and part of the enjoyment is how much they can do with what feels like a very limited budget and literally the script writer's house
0: yeah there you go no i thought you were going to say uh um the blair witch in which case what's the only thing I was going to make fun of is that, that there were so many people that thought that that was real. Yeah. <laughs> that was the <laughs> that thing was that, that it was like people coming to. You know, I was in Atlanta at the time and people would come back from the movie theater the next day. They're like, oh, my God, did you see that movie? Oh, you know, that's real. Right. And that just I was like, no, you know, it's not real. Right. They had it on
1: the sci fi channel. There was like there was a documentary. Yeah. Yeah, And that's another example of a really good take on it that sort of breaks. It doesn't quite entirely break its own suspension of disbelief, but breaks the rules a little bit of the found footage part. Yeah. Yeah. Is a better movie for it, honestly, because the things that it breaks really work really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it, this movie was this list rather was almost five found footage movies until the kid was like, dad,
0: I mean, seriously, I mean, if that's your thing, if that's your, you can't have all
1: found footage and I'm like, fine, let's go through and we'll find, and you know, I found stuff that I liked better than the other found footage movies on the list, but yeah, it was just woof. For a while there, it was going to be, hey, this guy has a camera and we don't know why.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's an easy genre and easy production. Um, you know, yep. you do you do uh, have some challenges in moving the camera around and making sure everything comes out. But as far as give a guy GoPro and let him go crazy, uh, yep. that's that's pretty easy to do. So,
1: all right. Yeah, you could Max Landis it up and make sure you give a guy a GoPro and then make him telekinetic. Yeah. Now you can break all the rules you want.
0: Uh, yep. There you go, everybody. The top five horror movies that are on our list this time around.
1: I What'd could you do think? this 10 more times.
0: <laughs> What'd you think? Were you scared? Or did this bring back some some bad memories for those of you that have watched the these movies and are now shaking about going, oh, yeah, that Babadook, so scary. Uh, I can't believe
2: you guys haven't seen the Babadook.
0: I still haven't. I don't know what it is about that movie that uh, freaks me it's- out.
2: It's as freaky as it looks, I'll tell you that. Yeah, so maybe if, that's what if it, it is. The, you know, the I look see the of drawings, it that freaks you out.
0: I see the drawings of the Babadook all the time and I'm like, oh man, that, that just scares me right there. I don't want to watch <laughs> it.
2: Yeah. That's
1: scary. Cartooniness and it's it's cartoon should not be evil, Rodrigo. <laughs> we love comic books, and you do too. Dear, dear and cartoons should not be evil. Dear
0: dear listener, uh, maybe you have some suggestions for even better horror movies. Maybe you have your own list. Of top we, five horror movies.
2: We definitely didn't have. Did we have any foreign horror movies? I mean, some of the ones that we talked about are based on.
0: Yeah, on I movies. don't think we didn't We didn't have any did. foreign. No, nope. So here's what you need to do. You need to head over to the Major Spoilers Discord server. We have one of those. There's a link in the show notes. You just click on that. And that'll take you over to the general room where everyone will wave at you and share their cat gifts.
2: General uh, but room. then general you
0: room. want to jump into the top five channel and list your top five horror movies you can read everybody else's list of top five horror movies and maybe you'll even be able to hit up carl and say hey carl have they done this topic before and where did these things fall because carl's our unofficial uh uh, archivist of this show why i don't know why he wants to do that but (laughs) one thing that i do know we appreciate it is that everybody loves a list This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.